The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
Oh 
Good morning, church. A few weeks ago, I talked about our fight. Remember that? I talked about the fight we needed to be fighting. Whether all this other garbage going on, we had a fight to fight. Well, this week was a little different for me. I didn't I didn't want to have to fight this fight. But there was a fight that had to be fought this week with a very special person in my life. And to convince this person that his fight wasn't over was a challenge. And it took some choking back of some pretty harsh words from my mouth because they weren't going to do me any good. But folks, I want to tell you a story briefly about this person. Because it's because of this person that I feel I'm the person I am. This person explained to me as a child that we had a Savior. And that Savior was Jesus Christ. That person has also explained to me through life that sometimes being a man is difficult if you don't ask Christ for His assistance, His direction, His guidance. Don's been talking about being courageous, having courage. Church, I want to explain to you, courage is always there if you're willing to tap into it. When we talk to people in our daily passing through the day, do we show them Christ in us even if we don't speak? That takes courage. Guys, there's a lot of things we could talk about today, but the bottom line that I want to express to you is that we have that courage if we'll just reach out to God and ask Him to put it in our heart and our mind and put it out in the words and actions that we portray. I want to get back to this person that directed me all these years. This person told me on more than one occasion over the course of my life to stand up and do what's right even when it's difficult. This was a difficult week for that individual and, and me and others in our family because we're having to take things he taught us and use them in our daily life in a situation that's difficult. We all have that possible situation. We all have to be courageous enough to call out to Jesus and say, where do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to today? That fight we have to fight 
is fighting for Christ every day. It's going to take some courage to do it every day. Find that person that you, that's looking for an answer. And call out to God and find that answer that that person's wanting. It's a wonderful feeling when you can take what you've been taught by a man of God and use that in your daily walk. It makes everything better. Sometimes it's a difficult strain, but it makes things better. So remember that courage through Jesus is simple. And let your actions and your words show that. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do. Father, we just ask that you give us each the courage to talk about you and show you through our actions and through our words. And Father, we just ask that you continue to watch over us, that you guide each of us in our daily struggles, walk with you. Father, we take these emblems now. We know that they're symbols of that sacrifice that you gave for us, the courage that you showed us on the cross to show us that there is a life through you. And Father, we praise you for that. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's one of the most bizarre scenes you'll ever see when you walk into a cobweb. You've all done it. It catches you off guard. Uh, you get a lot of exercise because you think if there's a cobweb, there must be a spider, and now it's on me, and now I'm going to die. All right? Now, what is beautiful about this is the other people can't see the cobweb. They can only see you, and they immediately think you're insane, and, and they would be correct. So, uh... But it's the invisibility of it all that is that makes it awful, that we never see it coming. We don't see it that, you know, we're just walking out across the porch and then it gets us. Life has a way of trapping us, too. You didn't see it on the horizon. You didn't wake up with that plan this morning. It's just a drink or two. You didn't mean to be an alcoholic. It's just escapism on some websites. I'm just killing some time. You didn't mean to be a porn addict. I just have a temper sometimes. I just can't seem to control it. And now you have a domestic violence charge. Now, it's very easy to make a moral judgment here about all those other people, but sin has a way of entangling all of us. We're in this series called Encourage. God wants to pour courage into us. We're going to be in Hebrews 12 again, still for a couple more weeks. You're saying, how are we spending all this time in these little verses? There is so much meat here. In Hebrews chapter 12, if you're joining us online, welcome to Central Christian Church on the radio, wherever you're joining us. Uh, chime in. Let us know if you're watching from home or from Idaho or Tennessee or wherever you're at. Let us know where you're, in, you're at. We want to be a part with you. We've got people in the room. We've got people online. And we're a family together. 
We want to be God's people and people of God's Word. Bible believe in, Bible use in church. How many brought your Bible with you this morning? We haven't done this in a long time, but lift them up. There you go. We want to be a Bible believing and a Bible using church. So we want you to have your Bible open to Hebrews 12. On the back of your bulletin, there's a couple other verses we're going to get to in just a few minutes. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Last week we talked about carrying some things that we don't need. We carry too much weight that is weighing us down. Now, it's very easy to look at that last part of the first verse and say, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, and and list those as the same thing, but they're separate. The Hebrew writer is saying there is there are things that weigh us down, like anxiety and and stress and lies that you've been told. If you weren't with us last week, go back. I encourage you to go back and listen to that to transfer the weight of what is weighing you down onto God who can carry it. And he goes on to say, strip off the weight and then get out of the net, the net of sin. But look real close. Did you notice that the writer seems to speak of a specific sin? A specific sin. Take off the sin that entangles us. That has caused a lot of people, specifically theologians, to say, well, that maybe that's the sin, you know, the unforgivable sin, or, or it's this sin, or it's that sin. And, and they've, they've tried to attach it to something that was going on there. I kind of have an, I'm from a vein of thought that it's more of a fill in the blank. What sin that you are dealing with? Because let's be honest, you are, and I am, and we all are. And, and Satan attacks each of us different ways. And we all have a sin that is driving us nuts. Maybe it's things. My friends get new stuff, and I want that new stuff too. Maybe it's bitterness. They hurt you, or worse, they hurt your family. And you say stuff like, I will never forgive them. I will never, ever get over that. Maybe it's control. If I can manage this madness, then I'll be happy. Once I can figure out and get all of my ducks in a row, walk in the same way, I'll be happy. Maybe it's, maybe it's escape. You know, I just need some time to myself, Don. I just, so I'm just going to surf on the web here for a while. I'm going to veg out. I'm just going to watch these movies or these shows. It's no big deal. The irony of all of that is none of those start bad. In fact, some of them start noble. I mean, you're, you're seeing what has happened to you or your family, and you want to protect them. Or you're seeing chaos, and you want to get it under control. But under the surface of all of those things and bitterness and control and escape and all those idols that we worship, they call out to who we are, and they make us feel good, and we are entangled by good things going awry. 
What happens when a society denies the importance of right or wrong? When the entire society denies the importance of right or wrong, you can find the answer on a prison wall. Here was what was carved on a prison wall. It said this, I freed this country from the stupid and degrading fallacy of morality. You know who said it? Adolf Hitler. And where it was found? On a prison wall in a Nazi death camp in Poland. Now, let me read it again. I freed this country from the stupid and degrading fallacy of morality. You might be sitting there going, okay, come on, Don. Isn't that a bit of a stretch? You're saying if I veg out on the couch, I'm going to turn into Hitler? No, that's not what I'm saying, all right? I don't think that's the jump you're going to make. But I will tell you, it is very easy right now when I say something like, what happens it, you know, what, what happens when a society denies the importance of right and wrong? It's very easy to point at them. You hearing me? At all of them and all of the sin they are doing. This is not about them. This is about us. The Hebrew writer wasn't writing to a bunch of thems. He was writing to us, to, to people that follow Jesus. Dostoevsky once wrote, If God is dead, then everything is justifiable. You see, one of the biggest problems of this web of sin, one of the biggest struggles we have with it is, well, nothing. You see, the more we do that sin, the more we are trapped in sin, the more we become, well, less and less. We seem to notice less. We seem to care less. We justify our bitterness at that person or those people and say, well, you know, we don't have to go to church. It doesn't say that. It does, but yeah, you know, it doesn't say that. We don't have to go to church or to be a servant. I can just know God, right? We justify that. Our bitterness of what has happened at a church or what has happened to somebody. We justify our escapism. Everybody's doing it, Don. It's not that big of a deal. We justify our wants. I, I've heard these words come out of my mouth. Anybody? Well, as vices go, it's not that bad. I mean, seriously, we've, we've all said something like that. We compare ourselves to everybody else's sins. But sin hardens our heart. And we don't notice the damage we are doing to ourselves. Go with me over to Romans chapter 1. This is a passage we looked at a lot in the, when we were talking about American idols. Romans chapter 1, I want you to hear Paul's words. We talked a lot about God gave them over to themselves, but specifically verse 28, Romans chapter 1 verse 28. But listen, Paul isn't griping here. He's trying to give us a warning. Listen closely. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, <clears throat> excuse me, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires 
that those who do those things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. The more we sin, the farther away from God we slip. And there becomes less of an urge. Did you see that? They were inventing new ways to sin. They were, they were focused on the sin so much that they weren't focused on God. And I think that's what happens. There becomes less urgency for the gospel, for good news. Can I tell you what I think may be one of the worst things that has happened from COVID is our lack of urgency of God's news. Our lack of, man, we've got to tell people about Jesus. The same thing that Wes said. The, the fight that needs to be fight thought you know don we'll turn to god at, at some point but we got to get everything straightened out first it's never going to get straightened out we got to turn to god well i'll follow god at some point when i get everything figured out i'll get around to repenting more and more our sin bothers us less and less and that's scary it's been credited to the French philosopher Voltaire who said, God will always forgive. That's his job. That may be true, but the problem happens is the distance between you, the distance you put between you and God, me and God. Sin kills our closeness to God. Then we don't feel the need to be at church. It's just when we get around to it, we have nothing left to do. We don't, uh, we don't have a habit of prayer. We get out of the habit of being in prayer. Tithing becomes leftover fruits, not first fruits. You hearing what I'm saying? We get farther and farther away from God. And the Hebrew writer is writing this chapter and this book to people that have been beat up emotionally, physically sometimes, by the Roman government. And he's saying, I want you to be courageous. And listen to in context how he says it. All of that chapter 11, all those people that lived by faith, Abraham and Isaac and Rahab and Joseph and all those people that did incredible things, they did it because they had faith in God. And I want you to know that all of those people are in your corner. They're all cheering for you because we have such a bunch of those. We have a crowd of great witnesses. Let us get rid of the weight and let's get out of the net. The net of sin. Because sin has so many side effects. But two big ones, guilt, shame. Guilt reminds us of what we've done. Shame tries to convince us that what we've done is who we are. Do you hear that? It's not just the, that we blew it, but you're, you're that person now. You are just a loser. Guilt becomes that anchor that drags you down. It's that chain that won't let you away. But faith, last week we talked, is calling us forward. He's saying because of you have this great cloud of witnesses, run this race. Go forward. But guilt, keep, guilt keeps you from moving. Shame tells you that's your destiny. That's as far as it goes, Don. I appreciate you preaching about all this stuff, but that's for you good people. I've done it. I've done a lot of bad things. Can I just tell you what I think one of the most powerful forces in our world is? Self-condemnation. Not in a good way. But I'm saying we are our own worst enemies, aren't we? I mean, who who can chew you out more than anybody? (laughs) You. 
the one in the mirror. And it, and it beats us down. And we hear that voice of guilt. And we hear that, that shame. And it just reminds us of all the stupid things we've done. And then you, okay, Don, you know, you go to church and you, okay, you know what, I need to do better. I can do better. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to, and some things start to get better and things start, good, good things start to happen. And, and you feel like you're moving away from your past. You feel a little hope and that chain from that anchor of guilt just yanks on you and goes, Hey, 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 where do you think you're going? You don't run but to the end of this chain here. You don't get any farther than this. You can't run a race. You can run to the end of that chain. That's as far as you go. And at the end of the day, we climb in bed and we play the... How many of you play the shoulda game when you get in bed? Shoulda game? Anybody play shoulda game? I shoulda got this done today. Did you, anybody? I didn't get this done. I shoulda said this. I shouldn't have said that. Anybody play those games? <laughs> you lay in bed and you replay the day. And it's not the highlights. It's the lowlights. All right? It's all the things you didn't get done. It's all the things you said wrong. It's all the things you, you've, you've blown it. And your anxiety goes up. Friends, self-condemnation is mental quicksand. It sucks us in and we can't get out and we can't hear the voice of God. It hushes what God says to us. And you know what? Scripture will actually agree with you. You know the verse. We have all fallen sin. We have all sinned and fall short. Everybody heard this? Is this new? Is this a new one to anybody? Is it so sneak up on anybody? We have all blown it. Nobody's perfect. But friends, we're not even close. We blew it. We all blew it. Scripture uses the word righteousness. Big church word means right relationship. In our vernacular, maybe it's, it's your proof of value, proof of concept. That's how you are valuable. Let me put it this way. Anybody ever done a resume? Anybody ever done a job application? Really filled out an actual job application, right? What do you put on the job application? You put the best of you out there, don't you? I mean, that's, well, I've done this, and here's this degree, and here's all these projects I've done, and here's all of my goodness, because I want you to see that I have value. Can I just tell you and remind you of the problem that even on our best day, we are still flawed? Scripture says our best righteousness is filthy rags. That's the nuts and bolts of the gospel is you are not good enough. Wow, Don, you're really doing a lot of encouraging up there today. Woo, yeah. The nuts and bolts of the gospel is this. You're not good enough, but He is. You can't do enough. He already did it. If this seems basic to some of you that have been long-time believers, Good. Because we all need to hear this over and over and over of how good our God is and how much our sin drags us down. I heard it illustrated this way, a courtroom illustration of we stand before God, we come in, we put on our Sunday best, and he's up behind the judge's seat and come in and he uh, calls out, um, here's case 8675309, that's for you 80s people, Um, Don Thomas, come forward, yes sir, yes sir. 
all right, let me get your book here. And he goes, and he pulls this drawer out and he has this humongous book. It's like eight inches thick, slams it down on the book. And when you see him carrying it out, it says, Don's screw-ups. And it's thick, all right? It is big old thick, all right? He flops it out and you go, oh, this is not going to go well. This is bad, all right? This is a bad image all the way. I'm starting to panic. It's going to get ugly. And he flops it open. But because we say yes to Jesus, the illustration was told to me, the pages are blank. My sins, though scarlet, are as white as snow. But honestly, I think the illustration doesn't go far enough. Because I think the real story is the book, all eight inches of it, all whatever how many pounds of it, is absolutely full. But it's not full of my mess-ups It's full of Jesus' good things. Scripture tells us, He imputeth unto us His righteousness. He pours His goodness into us. That's all God sees. The book is fully written and it's full of all of Jesus' perfect record. Not mine. Friends, don't miss this. So many people have this image of God on His throne with His arms crossed and a scowl on His face looking down at us, you bunch of sinners. I don't know if I should let any of you in. I don't know. And you kids get off my lawn. I mean, that's the image we have of this God. That there's just this angry old man. But that is not how it plays out. God looks at us and He sees Jesus. He throws his arms around us, says how much he loves us, and he's so excited. We have so much to accomplish, Don. Let's get to it. You see, the key element in all this Hebrews 11 and 12 is faith. All of those guys in Hebrews chapter 11, they did all those great things. They did it because they trusted God's ways, not my ways. They didn't try to figure it out on on their own. Or when they did, it really messed things up. They trusted a God that was bigger. And the power from God is what changes our life, but the faith activates it. And I love that before God invited any of us to a project, do you realize He already factored in our stupidity? That may be the most comforting thing I've ever read, all right? Is that no matter what you've done, Don, He's already saw how stupid you are, all right? Do you believe that God is bigger than your sin? Sadly, I think some believe God is bigger than your sin, but not mine. You hearing me? If my God is bigger than anybody's sin, and He's bigger than everybody's sin, you've got to throw off the net. What is weighing you down? What has got you entangled? You might be sitting there going, but how, Don? How do I do that? The next line there in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, fix your eyes on all the things that you've messed up. Fix your eyes on how you're going to fix all the things that you've messed up. Put extra effort into fixing all your screw-ups. No. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We're going to spend a lot of time with that in a week or two. But look with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. Go with me for just a minute. Ephesians chapter 5. This is Paul talking to some people that he's really close with. But listen closely to this. Imitate God. I'm in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. 
live a life with love, a life filled with love, following the example of, of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And then this verse, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. He says, look at God. Imitate Him. We get the word mimic here. If he lifts his arm, you lift your arm. It's, it's Simon says on a celestial level, all right? Whatever he does, I do. I imitate him. I mimic him. But did you notice how close sexual immorality is to greed? Do you hear that? Sexual immorality, greed, coarse talk. See, what's really interesting is that doesn't wash with us in our human race, and especially in our morality. We want to shake our finger. Well, that first one, that's a bad one. That's a, you know, that's a grade A sin. But, I mean, coarse talk, come on, Don. We can turn a blind ear to some of that, can't we? According to him, it's the same thing. According to him, it's just as much damage. We're the ones that add the grade to the sin. God doesn't want any of it. He says not even a hint of it. So, friends, be on your guard concerning the jokes you tell, the shows you watch, the salary you want, the sites you frequent, the social media accounts that you follow, the house that you're consumed with. Keep your eyes on Him. Their names are Darren and Amanda Walters. They're pastors down in the Houston area. I heard this story this week. Um, uh, in August, Amanda was diagnosed with COVID, and two weeks later, she passed away. 44 years old. Didn't have a lot of health problems, but they had two teenage daughters, and then they had two preschool aged that they had just fostered to adopt, and they were actually able to adopt them this spring. So they have, you know, they have four kids, and now this guy's a preacher of four kids, and and all alone, and he's really kind of bumfuzzled by everything. And, and I heard the story from the preacher that was there. He was visiting the house, and he got to talking to him, and they had this sign that says, as long as. I couldn't find the sign, so I made one. And it was one of those pretty Hobby Lobby ones they have on the wall there. It said, as long as. And the preacher said, okay, you've got to tell us a story about that. And he said, well, in our marriage, we have fostered eight different children. And... Uh, It's a passion to us. We know that is something we've talked about here many times. We never want that ever to be a guilt on anyone. That is not everybody's calling to adopt or foster. But we have had a lot of people that fostered and adopted here in this church. And he was telling us that when he has been talking with people, specifically foster families, people often put qualifiers on it before they will take the children. I will take these children as long as there's no drug use in the family. 
I'll take these children as long as there's no conflict in the family. You know, I don't want to be fighting in between families. As long as they're, they're good students and they don't have any health problems or it's not a, an international adoption. You see, before they say yes, they want conditions to reduce the risk of something going wrong. Now, I don't fault that at all. I mean, a lot of us look at our business ventures, our financial, what is the risk, what's the right thing to do? We all do that. But this couple came in and they said, we wanted this sign so we could change the meaning of this. They wanted to change the meaning to, we will love these kids as long as we can. As long as they are in our home, as long as they are alive, as long as we know them, we will love them. Here's the kicker. Many Christians do that phrase with God. God, I'll come to you as long as I can keep my life, okay? As long as you don't mess with my habits, as long as you don't bother me about my stuff, all right? I'll come, I'll go to church. Here's the funny part is, the way to have courage is to throw off your life. To get rid of your life. He said, get rid of the weight of the anxiety that is dragging you down, the lies that are pulling you down. Get out of the net. Throw it off the net of sin, of guilt, of shame. Some of you are still hanging on to the shame. Let it go. He wants to pour courage into you. He wants you to be able to scream, shout, Hosanna, Jesus saves. He wants us... When He calls our name, we run out of the grave and we're declaring it to everybody. But, but, Don, you've messed up. Yep, that's how good my God is. You've all got baggage. If there is sin that is dragging you down today, if there is guilt, if there is shame, let us pray over you. Let us get rid of that. We want to be a church family that that heals. Because our healer, wounded but strong. Pray with me, would you? Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.